Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Disables Report, official podcast of the Disables Network. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode, whether it be on YouTube, Spotify, or listening on Facebook, whatever. Um, if you want to get to know more about our organization, what we do, you can check out our website at disablest.org, spelled D-I-S-A-B-L-E-I-S-T dot org. Uh, and that's where we are everywhere. You can find us on Facebook, find us on Patreon, um, find us on YouTube, and if you're in interested i have one of our lovely pieces of merchandise here uh that actually just came in the mail uh yesterday um so if you're interested in any disabled merch uh we would greatly appreciate it because we run all of this on our own dime uh you can check it all of that out at cafepress.com backslash the Disabled Network. And then last but not least, I would like to give a shout out to all of our absolutely incredible patrons. Um, if it wasn't for you guys, we couldn't do this. Uh, and so our top tier, uh, our super crit patrons, I want to give a shout out to Robert L. Pope Jr., George Smith. Thank you, dealer George, as always. I know that you always uh, uh, listen to every new episode of the show. Um, Jennifer Webb, a friend of the show, and uh, Kevin Melendez, a personal friend and now friend of the show. And then a shout out to our Cryptastic patrons, which is the tier right below that, um, Annette Webb and Patty Pride. So thank all of you. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, we do a lot of really cool stuff on there. Show some behind the scenes stuff, give a little bit of details about what we're doing in our personal lives, because, you know, why wouldn't you want to know that? We're super cool people. Um, anyways, all that stuff out of the way. Uh, Christine, let's kick this show off, to use an Abel's turn of phrase. <laughs> Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Disabled Network. Today, I am so honored to introduce our very special guest, Ms. Shawnee Angelo with the Spina Bifida Association. Um, she's a very dear friend of mine, and I know her through networking and, and different events um, that we've been to together. She does amazing things for our uh, disability community, and I can't wait for you guys to hear all about it. We have such a great show for you guys today. Um, Miss Shawnee, if you would please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself, that would be great. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me, Kyle and Christine. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the executive director for the Spina Bifida Association of Central Florida. We serve 22 counties in Central Florida, um, all the way up through Volusia to Hillsboro, Pinellas, obviously uh, Kissimmee area, uh, Orange County, and pretty much all the areas in between. Um, we are 501c3 nonprofit, been around since 1975. We are an affiliated chapter of the National Spina Bifida Association. And honestly, mm -hmm. we're fueled by healthcare providers, caregivers, parents, um, adults, children with spina bifida, um, and others who are committed to our mission, which is to build a better and brighter future for all those impacted by spina bifida. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, what's, what, if you don't mind me asking, um, what's your territory in Florida? So, as I mentioned, we serve 22 counties, um, but honestly, we don't turn anyone away. Um, so, if, if someone's outside of our one of our counties that we serve, we try to provide services and resources for them, which is what we do. So, we're sort of a multifaceted organization. Um, we don't provide any direct services. We're a hub, so we do workshops, classes. Um, we provide emergency financial assistance. Mm -hmm. We provide social events, 
for um, people living with spina bifida of all ages to get together. Um, so there's an educational component, a social component, an advocacy component. Um, so we're a multifaceted organization and we just try to live up to our mission as best as possible by doing things like this <laughs> and connecting with others in, in, in and outside of the community. Absolutely. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, you know, Christine and I both um, do a lot of work out in our communities and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think that uh, the community aspect is something that people kind of take for granted a little bit. Maybe if you're mm -hmm. from, you know, if somebody's from, uh, you know, a, a part of the population that isn't, um, you know, considered like a minority population or somebody who, like Christine and I both uh, rely on like government aid or fundraising, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. A lot of that goes over people's heads, right? Um, so I was wondering if you wouldn't mind speaking a little bit towards um, why that community involvement um, is so important and, um, you know, how that's helped, helped uh, your organization. Right. Well, community is important, not not just within the spina bifida community, but also outside of it. Um, a, again, you know, awareness and visibility is one piece of it, you know, letting people know we're here, um, advocating for things, disability rights. But it's especially uh, important um, because of the isolation that sometimes can happen within the community. And as you know, during COVID, it probably really, um, it really impacted uh, the disability community at large, but specifically spina bifida, because sometimes there's mobility issues. So uh, we call them our constituents or community members, but our constituents, you know, already we're probably having a tough time um, with the social aspects of life, getting out, meeting other people, being active, health and wellness, mental health. Well, then COVID hit and um, it created more of a, a tremendous burden. So community is extremely important to keep people connected, feeling safe, valuable, um, so they can feel that they're contributing to society uh, to help with their mental health. And also just that visibility, you know, um, like I said, letting, letting the able-bodied community know, you know, we're here, we're not going anywhere, we won't be overlooked. Um, yeah. So, you know, make concessions for us. We're not asking for anything special, but, you know, things should be ADA compliant, you know, you know, we shouldn't have these accessibility issues. Um, uh, some of our events, which uh, we intentionally um, have them with able-bodied people, so we don't have events that are just for spina bifida. I mean, it's, it's for people with spina bifida, but, you know, we'll do Zumba with able-bodied people. Like, no, we're here, uh, you know, you're not yeah. Gonna ignore us. Yeah. yeah, you know the so part of like everything with the network uh is you know us trying to help also you know like you guys are trying to help bridge the gap between the able-bodied community and the right. disabled community because you know right. like you said it's 2021 it's absolutely ridiculous if a place isn't mm -hmm. ADA compliant right um but the mm -hmm. you know the only way to really do that because a lot of these like legislators and stuff are able-bodied me like I'm sure yeah. that a lot of them have never had you know like family members that are disabled so mm -hmm. not that they're doing this maliciously necessarily although some of them right. might I can't speak right. for that but um um, you know, it might just not dawn on people. So, you know, mm -hmm. hearing all of the the work that you guys do out in the community um, 
is like really, really refreshing for me. Christine, I cut you off because you were going to ask something and then I have another question after you speak. <laughs> no, you're okay. No worries. Um, what I was going to say is I know that we, you know, thrown ar around the diagnosis of spina bifida and for, you know, either the able-bodied community or the disability community who doesn't really understand um, what spina bifida is. Shanti, would you care to shed a little bit of light on that, if you could? Yeah, right. I'm glad you asked. So let me, a disclaimer first. I do not have spina bifida. Um, I am a disabled veteran, so I do have some invisible and sometimes vis visible disabilities. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. Um, but spina bifida is a, a neural tube defect. And Babies or children, you're born with spina bifida, so it's not something you catch. It's not something you develop uh, later in life. And it's when the baby's neural tube uh, doesn't develop or close proper properly. And mm -hmm. spina bifida literally means split, split spine. Um, it usually typically occurs during the first 28 days of pregnancy um, while the neural tube is forming. Um, and so a lot of times the pregnant woman knows uh, while she's pregnant, that her baby is going to be born with spina bifida. And it's also referred to as a snowflake condition uh, or birth defect because no two cases are the same. So the conditions range from mild to severe, and the severity depends on everything from the size of the opening to, to the location on the spine. So um, sometimes you'll see a person with spina bifida who uses the wheelchair. Um, sometimes a person with spina bifida can walk with some assistance for short distances. So everybody is different. It depends on the, the severity of it. Gotcha. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, describes a lot of, you know, the more that Christine and I film for the show and talk to other disabled people, I mean, we already had an inclination anyway, but it, mm -hmm. it seems like, you know, people think that they hear a diagnosis, like, you know, I'm, I'm quad amputee. And so they're, you know, if I'm the only quad amputee they know, in their mind, mm -hmm. every quad amputee is Kyle, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So, uh, so it's, it's really um, nice, and you put it really nicely in an easy way to understand that, um, you know, spina bifida, people who have spina bifida are absolutely not an exception to that rule. But, um, you know, for all of our listeners and our viewers, just remember that, like, a lot of disability also follows that. Um, you know, there's a reason why, for instance, um, like, uh, our producer and our good friend Lou is not here today, but that's why um, autism is communicated as being on a spectrum because there are a mm -hmm. spectrum of diagnoses with autism, but there, you know, uh, disability in general exists on like a crazy uh, uh, spectrum thing. No two uh -huh. people are the same. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I work in a, a, a wheelchair provider and uh, no two wheelchairs are the same and like okay. it, it blows people's minds but for instance i'll go and i'll see you know the guys working on the chairs in the back and um you know it can be two people who are in there for you know repairs and they both can have the same diagnosis but you look at their chairs and their chairs can be completely different um yeah and, and that's just uh one thing, um, you know, that uh, people I think who are outside of like the disability sphere um, mm -hmm. typically don't realize. But anyways, I wanted to say too 
welcome to the to the um disability community it's it's both wonderful and terrible here we're glad to yeah. have you <laughs> yeah really <laughs> um but uh one thing that uh, that you mentioned that was really interesting that christine and i both wanted to to expound upon a little bit more um covid19 screwed up a lot of things for a lot of people especially people in disenfranchised communities like ours um mm -hmm. so i wanted to know um you know, really what was going on during COVID-19? Um, were there specific resources that uh, people were kind of reaching for more than they would outside of when COVID-19 was happening? Like that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah, so, as you know, Florida particularly is a, um, a, a lot of people relocate to Florida, either seasonally or permanently. And so uh, during covid I think a lot of people from, let's say, New York or, or northern states, families probably took advantage of taking that time to say, you know what, I'm working remotely. I've always wanted to go to Florida. Let's go. And then they get here and realize, you know, Medicaid's not the same or, or you know, something with insurance or just a, a different set of circumstances for a family member living with, with Spina Bifida. So we did have a influx of new new um families, not, not necessarily babies, but just new people to the state um, looking for resources during COVID specifically uh, for their loved one with spina bifida. Um, so that was challenging. And then there were people looking for the social aspect. You know, I think a lot of us didn't know what to expect, you know, early last year when, when COVID first hit. And so we thought, well, you know, be just a little while and then things will get back. And then mm -hmm kind of realize at some point like yeah I don't know we're going to be in this for a while yeah. I think once that set in a lot of people um, either were looking for financial assistance uh, because their support systems were not you know what they used to be um, so that's when you know we had to rely heavily on um, I mean as an organization our fundraising obviously dropped um, and we had to get creative with ways to financially help people uh, but mainly the financial resources and also sort of that what we were saying, the um, social aspect, people feeling more isolated and lonely and, and contacting us like, hey, I just want to meet other people online. You know, I'm, I'm really lonely. I've been in the house, you know, X amount of days. So those were the two areas that we saw influence in. Yeah, that's what we we've done. Like, I just had the conversation with my brother before uh, I got on the show. Um, you know, like from creating the Disabled Network, I have so many more disabled friends now mm -hmm. that like I ever thought that I would ever have. Um, and I think that part of the reason, uh, you know, that we created the network in the time that we did was like because of COVID-19. And it mm -hmm. gave us that time because we were all home. There are a lot of people doing these podcast platforms, all of that kind of stuff. And it kind of just ended up working it, that it way just, yeah birth out of that and that's that's a great point you know and i encourage people to like look to your hobbies and maybe turning those into something yeah. a, with a little more structure um if you're doing arts and crafts you know um we start filming it or um you know things skills that you have or that you may have thought that were useless i'm sure somebody else will be interested in it so Kind of trying to keep that morale up and, and sense of um, belonging and connectedness was definitely a challenge. And I think a lot of people had to 
that's become creative. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we we're very familiar with having to be, <laughs> having to become creative. Uh, that was, yeah. That's been our whole like venture as of now. Go ahead, exactly. Christine. Sorry. No, you're okay. I think the really cool part for me to go off of what you and Kyle said, Shanti, is that everything kind of became a virtual component. So things that weren't accessible to our community before you know, the disabled community was now all of a sudden like, oh, here, you can do this and you can do that and you can do that. And even content creators like Kyle and myself, um, ha you know, they expanded their horizons and, you know, started doing like Instagram lives and, and Twitches and, you know, posting more videos on YouTube. And I think it just expanded our outreach to be able to do everything you know, virtually. And, and I think it was kind of a beautiful thing. I mean, because the people who, you know, necessarily can't come out of the house for, for medical reasons and things like that, like they were able to join the rest of our community, which I think is such a beautiful thing. And, and for me, like, this is going to sound bad, but it saved me a lot of time to be like, oh, let me just go in my office and, you know, do this thing virtually versus let me, you know, spend 30 minutes or 40 minutes to drive over here and then, you know, spend an hour at this event and then drive back home and that kind of thing. So I think it just opened so many doors and accentuated so many people's talents and helped them to learn and explore the things that they could actually do now that the world has gone virtual. And my only hope is that, you know, we continue to stay this way as you know the world kind of gets back to live and in person you know i i love like especially the hybrid options where okay now things are yes. starting to open back up so you can do some in person but those same in person events are still offering a virtual component I'm yeah. like, why weren't people doing this before? And even what I really loved that was born out of COVID was the virtual like concerts and shows like artists performing it's so accessible now. Like, why weren't they doing this before? You know, even for people who maybe just didn't like crowds or sort of introverted yeah. or, you know, people in the spine of the community to be able to to see and, and still have that experience without actually being there. I mean, I, I, I've loved some of the things, that, the creative things that have popped up because of COVID. Absolutely. And I, I personally, and Kyle knows because he hears me rant off camera all the time. And sorry, Kyle, but I, I personally, no, don't, don't ever apologize. I personally went to five virtual concerts of my favorite artist, um, which is Jake Miller. So shout out to him. But <laughs> I went to, you know, five virtual concerts of his that I never would have been able to do in person. You know, mm -hmm. because even though his tickets are reasonably priced, you know, it's like 30, 40 minutes away to an hour away. And I don't always have that accessibility in my schedule. But now that he's gone virtual, it's added so much more expansion and experience for all of his, you know, followers and music lovers to watch him. And it was like the coolest thing to be able to have a party in my own house. Like, I was going to say party in the living room. Hey! <laughs> No, that's fine. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what they think, as long as you were having a good time. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. 
No, the yeah, you know, I think too, and uh, we were talking about this earlier about why it's important to have able-bodied buy-in, right? Um, right. Because mm-hmm. able-bodied uh, and neurotypical people are are traditionally the people that have more resources. I hate saying right. that; it really kills me to say that, but it's true. Um, and so it's. It's awesome because all of this stuff is here now, but it also gives me a crazy amount of, like, heartburn <laughs> and anxiety, if I'm going to be honest, just because, like, it, it it pisses me off that these are all things that we all could have been benefiting from. Uh-huh. A lot of us could have been a lot more involved in things than before. And look, this doesn't just apply to attending concerts. This also applies to, like, going into college or a community college or a trade school before, and you're disabled and you wanted to do that, but you couldn't go to the campus. And now they all Uh offer, like, they all offer virtual stuff. Um, And so it's, it's not also, like, virtual doctor's appointments and, and things like that. So, like... It's agitating that it took able-bodied people to get buy-in, to get all of the accommodations set in place for all of us. But at the Uh same time, it's also refreshing because now we have all of that stuff um, Uh that we didn't before. Um, Yeah, I just, uh, it's just so frustrating to me. Anyways, uh, if I keep talking about that, I can go on for like forever um were there was there anything in particular i know that you mentioned the the social component being an important um you know like aspect of a lot of you know the people looking for hey how can i like interact with people was there a certain thing that people gravitated towards more than others um or was it kind of just like a hodgepodge of things Kind of like a hodgepodge of things. Um, We're always, you know, trying to get feedback from the community via surveys or just, you know, anybody can email us and give us their input. So we're always trying to create things and opportunities um, that people want um, or that that they feel is needed to address the community needs specifically. So, yeah. Well, um, what do you think about, and again, I hate that I even like, feel like I need to ask this question, but a lot of disabled people too um, are kind of worried that once we are living in a post COVID world um, that a lot of these virtual things and therefore our accessibility are just going to go away. Um, Do you think that that is that they're founded in having that fear? Or do you think that once all of this stuff goes back to quote unquote normal, um, that all these virtual options are still going to be a thing? I don't think we're going to go back to how it was pre-COVID. I think there's a new normal and we have yet to know what that's going to look like. Um, But I definitely think now that the, the, uh, disabled community, and I hate using that word, but... um, No, to go ahead. A a lot of, you know, just to keep it simple. Um, 
now that we know what's possible, I think we're going to demand and always want, you know, that virtual or hybrid option. Um, Before, you know, we did make noise about it. Um, The Spina Bifida Association does do a great job of advocacy. But I think, like you said, unfortunately, it took something like COVID to, for, um, you know, your your everyday person with spina bifida wake up call and say, hey, why wasn't this offered before? Well, I like this virtual option. I want to make sure it sticks around. What do I need to do? Who do I need to contact? Is there a congressperson or state or local rep, you know, to make sure that these options are here or, you know, I have a disability? I'm not comfortable going back to school or or whatever it was I was doing before or the train going by. No, you're um fine. so I think now that that the community has a has gotten a taste of what can be offered, like you said, telehealth. Well I don't want to always have to trek, you know, seventy five yeah. miles to see my specialist. We've been doing telehealth. Why can't I keep doing that? Um I think this has really been a wake up call in, in similar ways. And I don't think we're gonna lose these options, I think, um, I think some of these changes are going to be permanent, and I hope so. I especially have enjoyed telehealth, um, even though I'm fairly able-bodied. But you know, um, I used to have to drive pretty far to see my specialist. I go, I have a neurologist, and you know, like I've been doing telehealth since COVID. And I'm like, this is so great. Yeah. I didn't need to to be sitting in the office, you know, for a 15 or 20 minute appointment. Yeah. You know, so I, I think people are going to kind of demand that some of these things become permanent. At that's least good. I hope so. Yeah. And I, I think that's very beautifully said, Shawnee. I think it's it's up to us as advocates and even our able-bodied community to mm-hmm. go to you know our reps or to go to our local city hall and things like that and make some noise and say, hey, you offered this great, you know virtual experience whether it be doctor's appointments school things like that etc you offer that with covid why don't we keep that going why don't we keep that component so we as you know the people can have that option of whether we want to trek 30 minutes to the doctor's office whether we want to trek 30 minutes to college or whether we want to do it virtual like that should always be a choice now that that door is open so I'm calling all you advocates to run out there and email or do a virtual conference with all your reps to tell them to keep it virtual if that that is what you choose and that's what makes it easier for you. Because yeah. I know I'll be doing yes. that. <laughs> that's I agree. And yeah. and if you're in Central Florida and you don't know who your reps are or if you want to organize with us, because that's something we strongly, it's one of our pillars of advocacy we're going to be advocating for. And if you want to get involved with us, reach out to us and let's make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, I, you said you referred to yourself as fairly able-bodied and I <laughs> laughed. I laughed when you said that if you, you know, you're, you're disabled. So, you know, on this show, you can absolutely, if you feel comfortable identifying that way, please. Like we're we're here for yeah. you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was gonna ask something that was really cool, and meningitis brain just robbed me of that idea, um, so to speak. Um, It'll come back to you. It is well, maybe not. I, my mind is a terrible, terrible, just like black hole that like <laughs> ideas get sucked into. Christine knows. Look, Christine's laughing because she she knows exactly how uh, how my mind works. Um, but yeah, I can, 
I can take it for you, Kyle, because I actually had a, a follow-up question. Yeah, yeah. We have, we have time for probably about one more, and then we're going to have to start wrapping up. Okay. So, one of the questions I haven't really touched on yet, and I was curious about, this is kind of shifting gears a little bit, but I know as, as advocates and nonprofit organizations, and even in the able-bodied community, like, we have to do a lot of fundraising to to get, you know, where we need to go or to put on these great events like you guys do. Is there any, like, tips or advice that you could give our listeners or watchers as far as fundraising? Because I know it's a very difficult task to uphold. Right, you mean for individuals to fundraise or? Yeah, for individuals to fundraise or even even for companies as well because we might have companies watching. So, uh, the Spina Biff Association of Central Florida, we don't get any state or federal funding. All of our funding um, comes from donors, either, you know, grants or uh, individuals or businesses that donate to us. Uh, one of our biggest fundraisers is the Walk and Roll for Spina Bifida. That'll be November 7th. Um, and that's our biggest fundraiser. And all of our services we provide to people with spina bifida are free. We offer them at, at no charge um, to them. So um, advice I have is to, you know, if you can give or volunteer, even if you can't give financially, uh, show up, volunteer, make call, you know, ask other people to give. Word of mouth is always the best way. So even if you're trying to raise funds for yourself or uh you're part of a nonprofit or, or other organization, or you're with us and want to fundraise for us, you know, that word of mouth, personal uh, networking is always the best. And I know a lot of people don't like to be told no. I hate being told no. Um, but you have to make the ask. And um, that's really the best way. It's just to, you know, sit down, write a list of five people or businesses, you know, or 10 or 20 and let it keep growing. And then just make it a point each day to contact those people yeah. and always check any local resources that may be available and get involved with other larger orgs like the Florida Disabilities Council or Disability Rights Florida, you know, join coalitions. Um, I just say network, network, network is the yes. best way. Yeah, that, that's why it's yeah. in our name. <laughs> yeah, right, literally. Um, their their virtual walking rule. Let me just hype them up for a minute. You guys, <laughs> it is the bomb.com. Okay, I went last year and I don't remember what the date was, but I went last year and it was the bomb.com. So y'all will be seeing me again. So hello, mm -hmm. y'all need to come on the virtual walking rule. Get your exercise on. Okay, it's so much fun. Yeah, it's on our website, all of our events and everything. So if you go to SBA, like Spina Biff Association, sbacentralflorida.org, you can um, get a list of our events and upcoming walk around. It will be virtual again this year, but we do have some in-person events. So um, anybody's welcome to join us. But yeah. I do remember what I was going to say earlier. So I told you you would remember. <laughs> we need to we need to have you on the show more because this usually doesn't happen. <laughs> um, but so what I was going to say, Christine can attest to this as well. Um, you know, we talked a lot about you know the importance of the virtual stuff uh, because transportation for us disabled people sucks. 
really, really yeah. bad. <laughs> um, yes. It's really, really expensive, uh, or can be, if you have a car like mine that essentially is a space shuttle, um, because I drive it. Uh, but the other thing, you know, is that transportation also might just not be an option. And also, yep. Florida in general, public transportation, like, I need y'all to get your shit together, because, like... <laughs> Uh, it's like, it's terrible to, to like say the least. And I'm doing a little bit of work with, uh, public transit stuff and going to be featured on some of the things. So hopefully we can help them get all their stuff, all their ducks lined in a row, um, so to speak, because right now it's just a pile of hot garbage and it is like definitely further limiting disabled people from what we can and can't do, where we can and can't go. Like, look, we want to have jobs and stuff, people. Like, we want to get out in the community yeah. and do things and make a, a, a difference. But, like, if we can't get there, we can't mm -hmm. do it. Right. So, exactly. you know. And, and that's, a, that's been a, a barrier, too. People, you know, they'll say, we, we want to come out. We want to go to your events. And we just don't have a way to get there. And, okay. yeah, the, the, the public transportation, I don't want to name names, access link, but it's... <laughs> That's okay. Oh, yeah. That's that's a we're the platform to do that. If you if you, right. you want to put people on tell the people who's bad. Okay, yeah, put, we need to put, put people yeah. put people on blast. But no, like yeah. you know, well, that also is an important thing. In at least you know, right now we're not a nonprofit, mm -hmm. so that we can do that. You know, like a, a large part of like what Christine and I try to do in general, but like, especially with the network is to be like as authentic and transparent as possible. And the other, the other side of that coin is that there's a lot of crap that sucks really bad. And so, you know, yeah. using this platform to be like, Hey, all of this stuff that's going on is really, really cool. Also, all of you suck really bad. You need to do something to like make things more accessible for all of us so that we're not excluded anymore. Um, and y'all already know I have some horrible traumatizing transportation stories that y'all have heard in the past. So if your transportation is junky or sucks, let's just be frank, I I encourage you and implore you to, again, speak with your representatives and local people and tell them why it sucks and tell them where they need to improve because the more we make noise, the, yeah. you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, so to speak. So we we if we band together on this huge transportation issue, we can fix the problem for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And if anybody uh you know wants to I just to be transparent again, um work for a company called Custom Mobility that is a provider of complex rehab technology, yeah. but we also do accessible vehicles. And uh, we do our absolute best to get people in the right vehicle for as cheap as possible. And so a lot of people don't realize it, but, um, you know, purchasing pre-owned vehicles is always cheaper than purchasing new vehicles. And custom yeah. mobility does that. So if you think that you're not necessarily in the market for a wheelchair accessible vehicle or you're doing fundraising and you don't think that you can hit that mark... Like, if you want to reach out to me, like, you can reach out to uh, us at, like, getinfo at disabledist.org, um, and I can help point you in the right direction if you're in Florida and you're looking for a wheelchair-accessible vehicle or, you know, want to talk to somebody about, you know, like, how do I go through that process? Um, you know, I, I want to drive, but I don't know about, 
me reaching out to vocational rehabilitation to get the controls that I need or whatever. Like, look, the other thing that sucks really bad is like, look, there's no way that I could have paid 90 grand for my car. Okay. Let's be real here. Like who, what disabled person is going to be able to pay 90 grand to be able to drive. Okay. Like no, no, what able-bodied person can pay 90 grand (laughs) for a car. (laughs) You know, I mean, in, in full transparency, custom mobility, like in case y'all don't know out there in the universe, all our watchers, custom mobility helped me to get my vehicle. And let me tell you how much it has saved my life and made me feel like an independent, strong woman. Like, okay, I can't drive yet, y'all. Full transparency, can't drive. Working on that. But to okay. be able but to be able to get in the car and you know, have my family or my caregiver drive me places and to be able to go around the store in my power chair. Like, y'all, it is a sense of freedom. And to be honest, I wouldn't have been able to get it without custom. So shout out to y'all because I love y'all. That's And I'm, I'm sure, too, that a lot of a lot of people with spina bifida know, well, just wheelchair users in general know, uh-huh. and Christine, you can attest to this, uh, if you're a power chair user, you're a power chair user for a reason. If yeah. you have to go for whatever period of time in your manual chair, it is torture. It is terrible yeah. Yeah. to go from being able to having the ability to, you know, have control over where your body goes <laughs> versus yeah. having to either exert a lot of energy to to pushing yeah. yourself around or having to have somebody push you around. Like that's this is a whole other thing. I don't want to jump down the rabbit hole. We're we're getting out of time now, anyways. But uh, Shawnee, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, this yes, has been absolutely amazing. Uh, if you wouldn't mind giving uh, maybe some of that contact info and email addresses again, uh, if there are people listening who want to know maybe a little bit more um, about what you got going on over there. Absolutely. Our phone number is 407-248-9210. You can always email us at contact at sbacentralflorida.org, as is our website, sbacentralflorida.org. Perfect. They are uh, doing amazing things, you guys, so you definitely want to check them out. I have been to, you know, a good portion of of their different events, and they're so awesome. And they're they're literally the definition of community-based, like we all should be, so... Take a note from them, guys. Yeah, and stay up to date on all that stuff. If you know, COVID sucks. Yeah. Social isolation, social isolation mm-hmm. sucks. So yeah. you know, get uh, get up there and uh, take note of all the stuff that they got going on. So, anyways, uh, Shawnee, thank you so much. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, so, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you are on YouTube, go ahead and click that bell icon so that you get notified whenever we upload a new episode. Uh, we always have really really different people both from the disabled and able-bodied spectrums of the world but everybody has some link to disability and to disabled people so uh that being said for the disabled report and the disabled network i'm kyle i'm christine thank you so much for listening and shawnee uh thank you so much for being on the show thank you take care everybody Bye, guys!